0: Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Uh, so we're in the middle of this uh, series, and what we've really been doing is looking at the church and imagining uh, in in this moment where. It feels like uh, the church is is kind of under it, kind of under attack, kind of struggling. The culture is changing around us. Uh, People are struggling with uh, even a motivation, a desire to come out and be at church. Um, I was just down in Southern Ontario in Sarnia this week, uh, meeting with a number of different vineyard pastors, and uh, David Roos, who's our national director, uh, had just been with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada meetings that they had in Toronto. And they're just looking at some of the statistics. And I've been saying roughly about 30% of people who have just checked out of church uh, since COVID. But really in Canada, that statistic is a little bit higher. That was an American number. In we're waving at me. Hi. Change it back. Change, oh, okay, change it back. Okay, we're gonna change this back. Okay. I have the remote. That's great. I could do that. Okay. Did that work? That worked. Okay. I can't tell because it's the same image. You guys are so slick. Okay. um, So, yeah, roughly 42% of people um, have, have checked out of church in Canada have just just pulled back and said, hey, I'm just, just, for whatever reason, not doing it. I'm not not engaged, I'm not connecting with it. And so it feels like a challenging moment, but it's also a real opportunity for us as the body of Christ to examine uh, ourselves, examine what we're doing and and wrestle with, okay, what is it that uh, needs to change within us? What needs to grow within us in order for us to be the church that God wants us to be in the place and time where we are? Uh, right now? What can we learn in this moment? And that's not learning from culture. It's not trying to capitulate to culture or to be uh, what culture wants us to be, but to really ask, how do we present who Jesus is in this moment? What have we learned? And so we've been talking a little bit about a major shift away from being consumers of church, Uh, program consumers, church attenders, to becoming people who are really not here as much for ourselves, not here as much for what we get out of it, um, but really here with the idea that we would be a people gathered to glorify Jesus. So really, we're talking about a shift in direction from us assuming that everything is coming here, everything is coming for us, everything is coming into me, everything is here to meet my needs. And now I promise you, Jesus does want to meet your needs. He does want to care for you. But our primary purpose, the primary reason for the existence of the church is that it would be a body of people that exist to glorify Jesus, exists to bring praise to him. And so we've been looking through uh, the book of Ephesians and other places and just centering, our, centering ourselves on this idea as we see it in the scriptures. And I'm just going to hit a couple of uh, verses here for us to just engage with this again. We've been kind of doing a different uh, chunk every week. Um, so here's Ephesians 1.6, and this is just from a little chapter at the beginning of the book of Ephesians. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according To the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So he's adopted us uh, to the praise of his glorious grace so that we would praise him for what he's done, for how he saved us, so that the world would know through our praises um, about his grace. Uh, "'To him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, "'so that we who were the first to hope in Christ "'might be to the praise of his glory.'" And that word be is capitalized there because it is a big word. It is we might exist to the praise of his glory, that we might exist. This meeting, this gathering, and all of our groups and all of our ministries and all of the things that we do uh, don't exist primarily for us, but we exist for him, for the praise of his glory.'" The, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. So we received the Holy Spirit to acquire an inheritance. Why do, why do we acquire an inheritance? Well, it's not, it doesn't end with us. It's not for us. It is for the praise of his glory. Even our inheritance, that which we think is about us and for us, is for the praise of his glory. But you are a chosen priest. Pre, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own pro- possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him. You might proclaim the excellency of him. We're constituted as a body to proclaim uh, the excellency of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so that's our big idea, tracking through the whole series. God will be glorified through the church. And what we've broken it down into is three uh, ministries that we have. Uh, did you know that you have a ministry? You have uh, a way of serving, that you have something to do in the world. You have uh, something to serve. And that first ministry that we have is a ministry to him. Uh, we've talked about that the last several weeks, is that we have a ministry where we exist simply to glorify him, to praise him, to lift him up. And if we never got anything at all out of our life, out of our journey, out of our attendance at church, out of our small groups, if we got nothing out of it, it would be all worth it just to give him praise, just to give him glory, to minister to him. And then this last thing that we're going to talk about in a few weeks, uh, our ministry to the world. We have something that we are to do in terms of proclaiming God's goodness to the world, saying something to them about him and demonstrating his love to them. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, but right now what we're talking about is a ministry to one another. We have a ministry to one another. We have a way of living relative to one another that is meant to impact us, that is meant to Uh, demonstrate his glory in the world. We have a way of doing community, and what has to happen to it is it has to shift from a self-serve drive-through church experience to us being embedded in a community for committed discipleship. If you think about that, if you think about your journey with church, uh, very often, that's how we, we we look at it. It's kind of like, yeah, I'll come and I'll, I'll get filled up this week. I'll I'll hear a good word that'll encourage me and help me uh, in my business or or whatever it is. Kind of, uh, how does this sort of serve us? How does this sort of help me in my journey? It's kind of a self serve approach to community, a self serve approach to spiritual growth, and we need to transition that as a body and a church in North America needs to transition that. Uh, that we would be a people who would be more committed to discipleship. When we look at the numbers that have fallen away post-COVID and even through the pandemic, the people that have been lost, it just became so evident to us that our church has discipleship that's about an inch deep. Because when the the slightest, when, when a virus came, it blew half the church over. We just weren't rooted deeply. And so we need to go into that. And we need to let that... Uh, Ministry—that idea that we exist to glorify God—shape and determine why we're gathering, and so that's it. So, there is an image in the Scripture that's used to describe what our covenant with one another is like, what our ministry to one another is like, uh, and, and there's there's loads of content in the Scriptures about it. But we're gonna center around just a little bit here is the image of the body of Christ. Now, uh, the image of the body of Christ in the scripture is used to talk about uh, the health of our relationships, our interdependence, uh, how we're connected with one another, and how important it is for us to have that connection. But what I want us to center on is the second purpose of the body of Christ is simply that we would display something to the world. Uh, We'll talk about body ministry a a fair bit more in in weeks to come, and probably in the new year, we'll do some teaching on spiritual gifts and things like that. But I want you to understand that the reason we use that phrase, body of Christ, is that this group of people here in Carlton Place, along with the other churches that are meeting and gathering, what you see here is bodies within a body, that's what we are, we're bodies within a body, we're all one body. Uh, Multiple bodies within bodies. We're like one of those uh, stacking, nesting uh, Russian dolls, right? That's all the body of Christ. That's what we are. And the idea is uh, that we need to really begin to see ourselves as that interconnected body that, that presents something to the world. We're we're observed, uh, we're seen. If you look at your social media feed and, and you see some of the criticism that is is flowing about the church, you know that people are watching us. You know that people are looking. And that's the question for us is, if we are the body of Christ, if we are his representation to the world, how much do we look like him? It's a... That's a tough question, isn't it? How much do we as a community, when people interact with the community, with the family of God, with family of faith, can they tell that they're interacting with something that is deeply connected to Jesus in covenant? I had, uh, is, is Jim here today? Is he? There he is. Great to see you, Jim. Uh, I called Jim. We should be praying for Jim as well. Jim's visiting here, uh, he had a heart attack a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he's been through the hospital, and he's doing well, and uh, he's here with us. Uh, but when I called Jim to talk to him in the hospital, I, I said, can, can I get Patricia's number? I wanted to t- check in with her as well. And he gave me a number, and it was the wrong number. Thanks, Jim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I called up uh, this number, and I said, hey, hey, Patricia, it's Aaron from Church College Ch- the church that Jim attends. I just wanted to check in, see how you're doing, see if we can do anything to help. And this lady is like, you're who? <laughs> and I said, I'm Aaron. I'm the pastor of the Church of I tried to repeat it like repeating myself was going to actually help, which it totally didn't. And basically, what happened was this woman and I got into this conversation. She's like, she, she, she basically was freaking out because a pastor was calling her. <laughs> And and, and the bottom line is, she'd had a number of different hurts in church and different uh, experiences with the church that really broke her. And I wound up speaking with this woman that that Jim sent me the wrong number for, for almost half an hour about the hurts that she had in church and her impressions about what the body of Christ was. And I went into pastor repair mode, like I'm going to help kind of let's repair the image of the body of Christ and just uh, act in kindness and and share with her uh, some of the beautiful things that are going in the body and admit our faults and mistakes and be real humble about all of that, but, but here I have this interaction with this wrong number for half an hour, right, talking about Jesus. A little evangelistic opportunity, Jim, thank you for that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, oh man, it was great. Um, so people look at him, uh, at us, and, and they don't necessarily see him, right? It's, it's, it's fairly obvious. But that's what discipleship is all about. That's what the community is about. That's what this whole interactive thing is supposed to be. Uh, discipleship is about making this look more like this. It's about making us look more like him. A community can only glorify him to the extent that it imitates him. We can only glorify him to the extent that we imitate him. And that's our process. That's what discipleship is about for us, is becoming moment by moment, day by day, through our relationships and our interactions with one another, uh, more like Jesus. And this theme, this theme of the imitation of Christ, of becoming more like him, is, is a very prominent theme in the New Testament. Uh, If you look at your Bible, almost from the book of Romans um, all the way through to the book of Revelation, uh, what is happening here is that the Apostle Paul and other teachers are writing to churches that they've planted and saying, hey guys, let's give you a little facelift to make you look a little bit more like Jesus. Right? That's what's happening there. Paul's gone into Asia and he's planted all of these churches. Uh, we, don't, we wish we had the record of what he said in those synagogues and in those communities. We have little snippets of how he did evangelism. But in the letters he wrote, we have him saying, Hey guys, would you uh, make these changes, make these adjustments? Would you learn these things so that what I taught you you were becoming when I first came and evangelized you would be the thing that you would become as you mature and grow? And so just, I'm just going to just blast through a bunch of these, and there's just a ton, but I want us to feel the weight of that, um, the Scripture. I want us to feel the right weight of the Word of God calling us to be imitators of Christ. A new commandment I give to you, and this is actually Jesus talking, Jesus sort of kicking the ball off, getting things rolling. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Hey, look at me, do it the way I did it, Right? Uh, Ephesians jumping ahead be kind to one another uh, tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Oh look what Jesus did you do that. Uh, walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God don't do just do it like Jesus did it that's how you do it. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering. You see how often in the text he he points us back to imitating Christ, but not just imitating Christ, but imitating the self-sacrificing love of Christ. Uh, Love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up. As he became imitators of us and of the Lord and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, so through the afflictions uh, that you face, through the troubles, through the, the struggles that you face, Jesus was near to you, and you imitated him, you imitated him in his suffering and suffered in the same way that he did. Whoever says he abides ought in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, Uh, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God. I'm just going to go fast for the sake of time. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to one another. We put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Time and time again through the scriptures, we're just called to simply be like Jesus, to simply imitate him. Uh, If we're going to call ourselves the body of Christ, there ought to be some resemblance. Now, how's that feel to you guys as you listen? That's a little intimidating, isn't it? If you're you're like me, you're pretty conscious of the difference between uh, the character of Christ and and. The way the church is perceived and the way we're perceived as human beings, right? There's a challenge there for us. There's there's something uh, for us to wrestle with. But if the church is called to be a body of disciples that glorifies him by imitating him and being a representation of him in the world, that question stands how do we do that? How do we grow towards that? Like, how does that actually work? How does it happen? What are the things that we do as a body to become more like him? And again, just if you're here and you're uh, not a Christian, or you're here and you've been hurt by the church, or you're here and you're like, I'm not sure I know how to connect with this thing, uh, by, by preaching this sermon, we are confessing that we really haven't got it right. I hope you're hearing that. I hope you're hearing that we've got a, a lot of journey to go uh, to, to become more like him. But that's our goal. Or to ask that question more simply, um, what are our commitments to one another? Like what? What As, as a body of Christ, as, as two churches, what are our commitments to one another? Or what should be our commitments to one another? If we are really going to be transformed and ultimately look more like Jesus, what are we called to do? And I've just listed some things that I think are fairly consistent things through a number of systematic theologies um, from a number of different streams, but this is just sort of the basics of what it is uh, for us to be church and to be church to one another. Uh, this first one, just to touch really briefly, is one we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we simply w- were committed to worshiping together. right? When we come and we worship together, uh, the word of Christ dwells in us, teaching us and admonishing one another, uh, in all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, we admonish one another through our worship. Isn't that amazing? As we turn our hearts and we turn our eyes towards Jesus and we, we praise him, we put him first, we're glorifying him, we're singing about him, we're singing about his, his beauty. Those words that we're singing to him go in the ears of the person standing beside us. And they hear the glory of God. We need to be in this place together uh, frequently and consistently so that you can hear you know, a, a 10-year-old standing beside you singing about the glory of Jesus, and you can hear a 90-year-old standing beside you singing about the glory of Jesus. And you, like me, who are 40, um, can. <laughs> you guys know I'm not 40. <laughs> uh, you hear that testimony of the young and the old all together. And how powerful is that testimony in terms of admonishing us and shaping us and causing us to be more like him? So when we worship together, we've really covered that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, two, we, we intentionally learn together. How many of you just, I mean, not everybody loves a good Bible study, but, but that's so important, what we're doing right now. Just this constant reading of Scripture, digging into it, explaining what it means, uh, the power of the Sunday morning sermon, uh, the power of uh, learning through uh, through Bible study, the power of your own study, and this is what we see uh, immediately, immediately in the Book of Acts after the Holy Spirit fell. What's the first thing that that became a part of their their the shape of their life together as a body? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That word devoted in the Greek means continuing uh, persistently and steadfastly. And if you look at that uh, katero uh, kartero, uh, phrase in, uh, or sentence or word in the middle of the word, that means like training with strength and intense effort. It's the same word that was used in the Greek in terms of uh, extra-biblical literature to talk about military training, the training of soldiers, and the same training is used to talk about athletes and Olympians uh, in the the ancient Greek world. So our uh, devotion to the apostles' teaching, our devotion to learning the scripture should be like that of, of soldiers training for battle. And how do you feel like that? Does that feel like your, your morning devotions and your dedication to your morning devotions most weeks? Uh, <laughs> right? Not so much, but we need to do that. We need to take on that uh, passion for the Word of God and that passion uh, for the scriptures and devote ourselves to being transformed through intense effort. Um, and that, that, that means to like just stay in a fixed direction. Uh, looking at a couple more verses on this, uh, we must, hold, uh, talking about what an elder is, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. So that's, that's uh, teaching for an elder. Your elders, your leaders, yeah, your pastors should be able to give you teaching in sound doctrine. You need teaching in sound doctrine. We need it. We need to have a unified understanding of what Jesus' works meant what his words meant so that those words can transform us. Uh, It says in 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own uh, passions. How many of you could do that so fast on your podcast uh, software? You could just gather whatever teachers you like, whatever teachers you want. You know what the nice thing is about coming to hear Pastor Ivan? preach every week or hear me preach every week, you do not get to choose what we preach about. (laughs) That's part of the power of commitment to a body, is that you submit yourself to the life of the community and you have to come and you have to hear something that you didn't choose for yourself. And if we're responsible as leaders and responsible as teachers, uh, we're teaching in a systematic way throughout a course of a couple of years through the whole word of God so that we hear the whole story, the whole scriptures, and understand it broadly and understand it deeply. And you get that education in the word of God because you can't just pick the bits you like. That's if we're doing our jobs. And we don't always do, our job. yeah, yeah, it's years, right? I mean, you can go and listen to a contrary message right after this one if you want that says, uh, the body of Christ is dumb, don't bother going to church. You can probably go find a nice message on that somewhere if you want, but don't. And then listen, this is just, I mean, this is so challenging. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, For teaching. Okay, teaching is great. I love a good Bible study. I love to learn stuff about God. Rebuking? Correcting? Oh, no, I don't like that part very much at all. But we're supposed to approach the scriptures and understand their authority such that when we read them, they can be a rebuke to us. They can be a correction to me. How many of you love being corrected? Right? I know my... 19-year-old son loves being corrected. Jack, he, he loves it. He thinks it's fantastic. Son, I know you're chopping vegetables, you're making my supper, it's fantastic, but please don't scrape the knife sideways. You're dulling it, son, just straight up and down. I don't want to have to sharpen the knives. too awesome. Oh, awesome, Dad, thank you so much for informing me of that. That's just fantastic, Counsel. Dad, I appreciate you so much. That's not how it goes, right? And we don't like it when the word corrects us, but it's meant to correct us. And this is to perfect us, to form us into people who, what's our objective here? Who look more like Jesus, who look more like him. And that's the goal, to become more like him. Uh, the purpose of this learning, this training together, it's obviously not for elitism. Like Churches can be like that. We could be like that, where we just want to know everything about the Bible and go to every Bible study, so we just feel like we're so full of knowledge and we know everything. We know more than other people. Uh, it can't be about that, but the reality is just really simply, you have to know about Christ in order to be able to imitate him. You can't imitate something you can't see. And, and he, he's, he's not like a little, like we are looking back at him across 2,000 years and he seems really far away because of that, but, but he is not. There is so much written about him. We can know him so well by knowing the scriptures. He is big, he is beautiful, and there's an incredible story that's been told about him. And not only the scriptures, but the early church fathers and and 2,000 years of writers writing about the glories of God, how it says in the scriptures that so many books would be written about him that the whole world could be full of them, of his deeds and his works. You could spend a lifetime pouring over teaching about Jesus and barely, barely scratch the surface because he's amazing, he's beautiful. And we want to know him. We want to have a passion to learn, a passion to study, a passion to follow. Another thought here for us is um, there's something important about guarding the purity of the body. And this is a theme that uh, occurs Uh, in in the New Testament uh, in in a number of ways. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it because it seems, you know, we're saying, oh, purity, and you guys are all thinking, oh, repressive, and and this is miserable, I don't want to talk about this, this is a big heavy, let's skip it. Um, But the reality is is that there's something uh, really important that we can do for each other, that we can serve each other in guarding our own purity. I just want to unpack this for a minute. Um, Paul is teaching... Uh, the church in in Corinth, and and they've got some impure practices going on in their body, some, some sexual misconduct that's happening. And as Paul addresses it, he addresses it in a really interesting way. This is Paul's why for why he's addressing this issue of impurity in the body. He explains it like this. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Your physical body is a member of Christ. It's a part of Christ and who he is. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? He's addressing the issue of uh, Christians going into the temples and worshiping uh, the pagan gods and doing so through uh, temple prostitutes. And he says, never, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. This is what he's saying, is that when you go, and uh, you can look at that next image on the screen, when you go and do something that is impure, maybe it's uh, engaging in just watching a lot of violence, Uh, on streaming media, or maybe it's uh, looking at worse things on the internet, or maybe it is actually an illicit relationship that you have with somebody outside your marriage. Maybe it's uh, some other impure thing that's going on in your life. It's not like you can do like this little guy and just kind of step outside of the body of Christ and just have that little relationship uh, off on the side and then step back into the body of Christ and, and everything is normal. What Paul's talking about is when, when you are, are, are doing something that, when you connect yourself to a prostitute, this is why sexual purity is so important in the scriptures is because what Paul understands and what the Jewish mind understood at the time was that when you have a sexual relationship with someone, you create a spiritual bond with them, just like you do in your marriage relationship. So if you create a bond with something that is wicked outside of your marriage relationship, You actually bring that in, that that wires are connected. You actually bring that thing in to your life. You bring that thing into your marriage. You bring that thing into your family. And so you can't leave the body of Christ and connect yourself with something impure without bringing that impure thing back into the body. What really happens is more like this next image. You take that prostitute, or you take that impurity, and you bring it into the body. Shall I then take members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? So I often ask myself, you know, as a worship leader, sometimes there are some Sundays where uh, worship is just, is good. Everybody is connected. It feels like the heavens are open. It feels like things are clear. And there are some Sundays where it feels like, for some reason, we're just leading worship into a cloud, like it's, everything is fuzzy, everything is difficult, everything it, its not connecting. And it's not about the way uh, the chords are being strummed, it's not about the way the songs have been chosen, it's not about uh, the quality of the musicianship, though that, in my case, certainly tends to fluctuate. <laughs> um, very often, there's something that I just don't know, we just don't understand is going on that makes it harder for us to worship as a body and i often wonder in those moments is that because we've brought things in to the body that we're not talking about who's in the room with us what impurity have we engaged within our lives and and connected it to the body of Christ and invited it in. It's muddied the waters. It's, it's, it's harmed the connection that we have between God. Now we know that there is grace. We know that uh, God forgives. But if we haven't confessed and dealt with that stuff, sometimes the shared pool of the spirit that we have uh, is connected with all kinds of things that we don't really want in the pool. Does that make sense? So we can really love each other simply by guarding our purity. So, part of what we're called to do is the body of Christ. And time has gone long here. I'm preaching long. I'm going to have to go fast. Um, uh, another thing that we do is we fellowship together. Uh, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That word fellowship is, uh, is a Greek word koinonia. And I'm sure you've probably heard sermons on this before, or it's been mentioned before. But that word fellowship isn't just, now, I'm really excited about our coffee time that we're going to have. But fellowship is, is so much more. It is something deeper. The fellowship that the early believers uh, shared together was really about a shared life. It was that which is held in common. That which is held in common. And that extended to their physical material possessions going a little bit further on. And all who believed were together and all had things in common goes on to say that they went and they sold their possessions and gave to anyone who has need. Uh, Our fellowship is meant to be a shared life together. Now, how many of you would love it in some ways to just come to church, uh, get a little message, get a little worship, get home as quick as you can and get to whatever, right? But we're really meant to have much more in terms of our lives in common. When we get to after-church coffee... um, That's not just about us being a hip, cool church where we're gonna drink a little coffee after the service and, and maybe it feels more friendly and welcoming for newcomers, though it does that. But what we're intentionally trying to do by creating that extra space of you having time with one another uh, while a coffee cools in your hand and you have that warmth and that comfort of that experience is that you're actually going to go a little bit deeper in relationship. You're actually going to find out something more about that other person. You're actually going to hear a little piece of your story that will lead you to the place of having another cup of coffee and doing a deeper life together. And sharing transparently about the struggle and the journey that you have. That's why, you know, men's fellowship uh, a few weeks ago gathered around the campfire uh, eating deer meat and uh, broccoli. We ate a lot of broccoli. We're very good boys. Um, That that, that social thing that was going on was really about a heart-to-heart is about growing in, in relationship with one another so we could teach and admonish and speak more deeply into one another's lives. And we just need to facilitate that. So when we get around to moving the library and, and setting up some sort of coffee station there, that's what we really want is you to come and sit and talk with one another and have conversation, but then to think, oh man, I, I, gotta, I gotta get some more time with this person because I have something I could share with them that will help them. And I know they have something that they could share with me that would help me. That fellowship, um, that koinonia, is is much deeper than that cup of coffee. Uh, coffee is a good start. It's a critical first step. But there's so much more for us there. Um, and then just going fast um, in terms of what we do as a body to, to be together and to grow more like Christ as we... There's simply, there's just so much content. I can, I can barely even touch it. But so much of what is taught in the New Testament in terms of Paul's teaching to the churches is simply to nurture unity and the quality of relationship. So beyond that cup of coffee... There is so much there about forgiveness, about what to do when somebody offends you, about marriages and families and husbands and wives and old men relating to young men and young men relating to old men and older women relating to younger women and younger women relating to older women and teaching and dealing with conflict and dealing with sin. Uh, the, the scriptures, that, that whole package of writing from Romans through to Revelation. Uh, the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation are about that in part. Uh, there is a, a, a teaching about how we actually nurture our relationships and keep ourselves relationally healthy. What do you do when someone offends you? Uh, you go and talk to them. What do you do when a brother sins? You go and talk to them with one, then you go and talk to them with two, uh, and then you, you, you go with the body. Like, like there's so much there for us in terms of just being healthy relationally. And then we care for one another. Make my joy complete uh, by being in this, of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, right? That's the, um, that's the uh, nurture relationship piece. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. What if we came into the body and everybody was more significant than self? Wouldn't that change how, how, how comfortable we feel? Wouldn't that change our ability to be transparent with one another? Wouldn't that change the way that we care for one another? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is practically communism here, it's, but it's really good, isn't it? This is a deep, deep way of living and, and being concerned, not just for, for protecting and guarding ourself, our possessions, our, our space, uh, being having good fences that make good neighbors. Tear down the fences and make neighbors. Tear down the fences and do uh, church, do life together. And again, I'm just, I can't go into it all. Uh, But Acts 4, 34, there was not a needy person among them for as many were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold to the elders and laid it at their feet and said, hey, do what you need to do with this so that we can care for people. James 5, 14, is any one of you sick? Call the elders. And the elders will lay hands on them and pray for them. Um, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. Don't just bear your own burdens, but bear one another's burdens. There's a shared life of care that's meant to be happening. Um, how, how does this work? How do we do all this? Well, we do it by the Holy Spirit. And this is where we have to end. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. This is a work of the power of the Holy Spirit living through his body. He gave gifts to some uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, the Lord gave leaders in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. If, if, if helping the body become this healthy thing that the world can look at and say, yeah, that thing looks like Jesus, if that's only the pastor's job, I promise you we're hooped, we're done right now. We're absolutely done right now because this is not a work that I can do. This is not a work that Pastor Ivan can do. This is only a work that the body can do together as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and trained by leaders We need to submit ourselves to one another. We need to get the training. We need to learn. We need to be committed to that level of care. Um, When it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You have spiritual gifts, don't take those on as part of your identity to just be excited about your spiritual gift. Recognize that gift was given for the person sitting beside you. Recognize that gift was given another we have uh, an incredible body and incredible gifts and incredible community not just here but the other churches in Carlton Place Uh, as we uh, work to equip ourselves to train ourselves to make ourselves uh, be people who are a more accurate representation of who Jesus is we're gonna see authentic rich and deep growth in the church and the tide will turn. Even if, even if things go on and culture continues to shift, the church will become a safe haven. The church will become a safe place for those who are lost, for those who are broken, for those who are needy, uh, for the, the wreckage of the world around us that is absent from Christ. They need a safe and healthy body to come into. And that's what we are called to be. Amen. We need iron to sharpen iron. We need to spur one another on. We need to fan and to flame the gifts. And so just imagine that. Imagine what the body looks like if we do these things. And you can't do it just this morning. You can't even do it just going to a Bible study. This is about, the worship team can come forward. This is about a, a surrender of our whole lives to the mission of God. This is about a surrender. So that's your, your call to action Will you begin thinking about your life not as an individualistic thing, not as church being some kind of self-serve thing for you to come in and get that little piece that you need to squeak through to the rest of the week and maybe you'll show up again next week if you happen to need a top-up? Will you be a body of Christ that is, is surrendered to him, that is committed to discipleship, that is committed to knowing him, being known by him and glorifying him? Will we be a people who really become a body that looks like him, that looks like the self-sacrificing love of Jesus? Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca.